you are invited to pause and take a closer look at a Bible passage. Perhaps you need a word of encouragement today or some wisdom and instruction. Through God's Word, our focus turns to the Lord and our hearts open up to His guidance and direction. This podcast is part of the global outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome to Walk with God. Greetings, friends. Palm Sunday, Holy Week, Good Friday. Our thoughts turn to Jesus this week. You know, he's returned to Jerusalem and he will soon be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus takes time and looks to his heavenly Father in prayer. What a beautiful example for each of us. He has modeled this practice of prayer all through his earthly ministry. And now, as Jesus faced the most difficult days and hours of his life on earth, he talks to the Father. In today's passage, John 17, we will see Jesus praying for himself. Then Jesus will pray for his disciples And lastly, Jesus will pray for all believers, including you and me. And even as Jesus begins to prepare himself for this time, this time that's coming up, his betrayal and his arrest and his scourging and his beatings and his his, um, time on Calvary's cross, he has intercession with the Heavenly Father. He prays for himself. He needs to know that the Father will strengthen him and guide him through this time. And it says this in John 17, verses 1 to 5. And Jesus spoke these things, and raising his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you, just as you gave him authority over all mankind, so that all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work which you have given me to do. And now you, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world existed. Well, it doesn't take much effort to figure out the, the theme of this this first five verses of John 17 is glorify. The glory of God, that which is weighty and that which is important, that which is valuable, that which is beautiful. And Jesus is setting an example for us to follow as he turns to the Father. Our actions to be, should be to raise our eyes to heaven. And when we pray, we should want to glorify the Father and glorify the Son because he says that brings glory to you, God. And you've given authority to the Son over all mankind, and, and I haven't, uh, each one of you have given to him, I, I will give them eternal life. And then Jesus defines what this eternal life is. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. And by the way, know there is an important word. They may intimately know you, the only true God, with both their head and their heart. And that they may know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And even as he says this, I've glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. 
Jesus has been an obedient son. In eternal pa- eternity past, he had glory. And so he prays again, glorify me, Father, with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Yeah, and Walt, you know, as you share the truth and those insights from these first five verses, I'm reminded of several verses found in the first chapter of John's Gospel, John 1, 1 to 2, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That's Jesus. He was in the beginning, just just as you shared there, with the glory I had with you before the world existed. And then when we drop down to verse 14 in John chapter 1, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What? And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in this whole setting, that's so important to Jesus, that both he be glorified, not for his own sake, not that he needs that. He doesn't have vanity. No, but, but for the sake of continuously elevating and glorifying the Father, which he wants to model to us, my life should do the same thing. Um, Tom Constable, one of my professors at Dallas Theological Seminary, notes of this passage, he says, there's similarities between the content of this prayer, John 17, and the upper room discourse, which Jesus has just been teaching on. And this notation at the end of this passage, that when Jesus had finished praying, he left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Um, this seems to indicate that Jesus prayed um, this prayer either before he entered the, the Garden of Gethsemane, either probably at the upper room, or maybe as he traveled through Jerusalem, perhaps as Jesus and his disciples walked across Jerusalem, they, they paused at the southern steps. This is the southern entrance to the Temple Mount. That makes perfect sense. But Warren Wearsby says this. He says, whether Jesus prayed in the upper room or en route to the garden, this much is sure. This is the greatest prayer ever prayed on earth and the greatest prayer recorded anywhere in the scriptures. John 17 is certainly the holy of holies of the gospel record, and we must approach this chapter in a spirit of humility and worship. You know, Jesus has raised his eyes to the Father, and that is humility, right? Mm-hmm. He, he is the obedient, the submissive son who says, I've come to do your will. He's praying for himself. And now, as we begin in verse 6, um, 6 to 11, I'm going to read a few of those verses, not the entire passage, but here we see Jesus is now going to pray for his disciples, those who the Father selected to be that band who traveled with Jesus during his earthly ministry. I have revealed your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have followed your word. And now dropping down to verse 9, I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but on the behalf of those you've given me. And Jesus says, I'm no longer going to be in the world. I'm I'm not going to be here with them. And yet they themselves are in the world, and I'm coming to you. And so, Holy Father, keep them in your name, 
the name which you have given me, so that they may be one just as we are. He's asking the Father to keep them in his name, guard them, keep them safe as they will continue now in the ministry that we've called them to. Father, you gave these men to me. I've revealed, I've done, I've been teaching. They've followed your word. I've given them assignments and they have followed and obeyed. Jesus isn't going to be in this world with them, but they will be and they are going to face persecution when Jesus ascends to heaven. And he says, Holy Father, keep them in your name. And he says, so that they will be one, just as we are one, Father and Son, that we are united. Keep them. I have guarded my disciples, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And even as you say that, it reminds me of something that might be of comfort for some parent um, listening to this. You know, Jesus was the perfect teacher. Jesus was God Almighty, and he lived a life that was an unbelievable model, and he did miracles, and he did all these things. And his disciples saw, and they obeyed, and they followed, except for one. And and that reminder, we think that if we live a, a great example, and if we live Christ before our kids, all of them will love the Lord well. And that's not the case. They still have to make their own decision of where they stand with God. Well, now Jesus continues on, and he teaches about the disciples as they're going into the world. And again, we're going to summarize some of these, but he says this, Now I am coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And then he goes on, just as you've sent me into the world, I'm going to send them out into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. I live the life of of holiness and obedience to you so that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Jesus said, I'm coming to you, Father, and these things I speak to that that my disciples might have joy made full. Uh, But this is the first time Jesus had talked about joy. Um, Earlier in John 15, 11, he says, These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. The joy, we don't have to conjure it up. Jesus will give us his joy. And then in John 16, 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Father, I've given them your word and the world has hated them just as it hates me. And now I ask you, Father, keep them from the evil one. And then this key verse, John 17, 17, I would encourage you to to really mull on this. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You know, a chapter later, Pilate is going to say, what's truth? What is truth? And Jesus teaches us here, truth isn't, isn't some subjective thing that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. 
the truth that he is modeling, the truth that he is commending them to, is your word. That's what truth. If you've sent me into the world, now I'm sending them into the world. And as Jesus sends his disciples into the world through, and he's got this prayer he's bringing before the Father, he wants his disciples to experience his joy. He wants them to walk in the truth of his word. And if we look back at John 10.10, it says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's Jesus' ministry. And now, even as he's going to depart from the earth following his death, burial, and resurrection, he wants to make sure his disciples are girded, girded in the truth, right? Right. Sanctify them. Your word is truth. Well, Jesus now concludes his prayer to the Heavenly Father by praying for all believers, including us. That's you. That's me today. And what we see here is just that continual. And he says, I am not asking on behalf of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their words. So he's saying, I'm not just praying now for the disciples, but there are those who will hear the disciples teaching our word, the truth, and they will believe that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, a unified standing with the Lord, that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and each of us who have believed in him so that the world may believe that you sent me. And you know, Brenda, it's interesting. The Greek tense of this word, may believe, the Greek tense indicates continually believe. It, this isn't just a one-time thing when we pray a prayer of salvation. This is something that needs to be a daily habit. We must daily keep believing that God's word is truth. We must daily keep believing that he will provide the teaching and, and the path forward for us in life. That's a consistent belief. He wants us to believe. And Jesus died a sacrificial payment for the sins of the world. You've heard this before. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, abundant life. Yeah, and God also wants us to keep believing in Jesus as we walk through this messy world. It's that whole process of sanctification. Yes, we've prayed, we've said, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the Son of God. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. But then Philippians 2, 12, 13 says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. We're walking in a world, we've got sin around us, we're not perfect yet in that process of sanctification. You know, and God ultimately desires that we believe right into heaven, that we continue to believe, and that will be future glory for the, the disciples, for his future disciples, for us. In verses 22 and following, he, he says about that glory, and I'm going to just summarize, but move down to verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, 
so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. And then he goes on to call God his righteous father, which he is. And he said, I made your name known to them, and I will continue to make it known, so that the love which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. And, and, and here, then Jesus finished praying. He left with his disciples, disciples crossed the Kidron Valley, and on the other side was a garden, and, and he and his disciples went in. And, and Brenda, this is the Garden of Gethsemane, and even as we talk about this, I get real excited, because this is one of those sites where Jesus will agonize over his coming sacrifice on Calvary's cross. And ultimately, the, the summary statement is, not my will, but yours be done. That was sealed in the garden. Uh, when you join us in Israel, you may experience what many believers have found. It's one of the most stirring sites we will visit, the Garden of Gethsemane. And as we're reminded here, you know, Jesus has been in the upper room with the disciples. And today we've looked at John 17 together as Jesus is praying for himself, for his disciples, and then for future disciples, including you and me, as we have trusted in Jesus as our personal Savior. And we want to consider head to heart. And when we think about this, let's remember the way Jesus lived and the way he taught his disciples and those who came throughout John's gospel, many believed in his name. Jesus glorified the Father through the way he lived his life and the teaching he was obedient. And friends, I just want to say, in the same way God the Father and Jesus the Son of God are glorified when we walk by faith, and live a life of obedience. We should evaluate our daily walk and our obedience to the Lord. It should be constantly before us. We should be raising our eyes to the Heavenly Father, humbling ourselves, asking for His leading and guidance. And in this same way, may each of us continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.